Good morning, and welcome to the latest episode of Looking South on ICRT. I'm Eric Gao, and we are joined once again by Grace Xiao, the chair of the Taiwan Bar Association, talking about legal issues that Taiwanese companies will run into while expanding into the Southeast Asian market. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So let's take a look at legal issues by sector. Uh, what should companies in the manufacturing sector look out for when they are expanding into Southeast Asia? Well, from a compliance perspective, evaluating the needs of the business should come first. So for um, manufacturing sector, they should determine the land building requirements, commercial size park space, and obtaining necessary permits for environmental protection, facility safety, etc., and other technical specifications should be a helpful first step for them. And from a corporate investment perspective, several Asian countries maintain JV requirements where foreign shareholders are required to work with local partners in order to enter a market. Oftentimes, in practice, this means that for new established corporations, local regulations require that local partners take a much higher stake in the new corporation than the foreign partner. So depending on the industry and the potential impact of foreign shareholding on domestic small and medium enterprises, foreign shareholding requirements differ, or in some cases, foreigners are completely banned from taking ownership in certain industries. Another notable obstacle worth mentioning is that some jurisdictions will require that foreign companies assign a nominee director, such as a local citizen of the target country, to sit on the board of the company. So seeking the service of a professional firm that will provide company incorporation service would be beneficial to ensure a smooth incorporation process. What about for companies that are involved with trade and commerce? The same. Uh, for the trade and commerce, you need to obtain relevant import and export license for products. In determining which industries are available for FDI, these are all very important factors if a Taiwanese company intends to launch a trade or commerce business. Also, taking note of any negative list, the list are highly restricted industries related to sensitive areas such as military, telecom, e-commerce, and infrastructure will be advised. And as we discussed in our Taipei Bar Association Forum on e-commerce, we don't notice significant growth in e-commerce in Southeast Asian markets because of the young population. And according to one speaker, the COO of Wahoo, he believes that Malaysia is a very suitable place to develop e-commerce because of logistics and language reasons. So this is very important to understand the local culture and consumers' behaviors. Uh, the service industry is very different from either manufacturing or commerce. Uh, what are some hurdles that uh, companies in that sector are likely to face? Mm, this question is quite difficult to answer without conducting a full survey of the service industry of each Asian member country. However, for financial services, I can say that most Asian countries are heavily reliant on cash. So there's a lot of promise for the financial service industry to step in leveraging technology to solve problems like remitting money back home and opening a bank account in areas without a brick and mortar location. So stepping out traditional industries like manufacturing and trade, Taiwanese financial institutions are expanding southbound in establishing branch locations to deliver on personal banking services, offer small and medium-sized enterprise loan products, 
and develop the local lending environment. So Taiwanese businesses are fortunate to have access to their home banks to assist with funding requirements or wire capital where it is needed. So that's definitely a great thing to have. What should companies do if policies or laws change while they're still setting up their operations in these partner countries? Well, capable compliance attitudes win the day. And keeping a close eye on legislative developments happening in local jurisdictions would be greatly helpful towards understanding the projected future policies and laws. I would also like to emphasize that maintaining amicable relationships with government agencies, officials, chambers of commerce, and other business associations will be a wise move to ensure that you understand whether any potential changes will affect your business operation. I know there are many Taiwanese trade associations locally, and based on recent news, there's a trend among Asian countries towards opening up markets and loosening regulations to attract FDI. So in some cases, amendment to law and policy changes may benefit companies during the incorporation process. In addition, Taiwan has investment protection agreements with Philippines and India and is currently working towards additional protections to help Taiwanese business cope with changes. I think this will also be very helpful. Uh, How likely are uh, local politics to impact Taiwan companies that are setting up shop in Southeast Asia? Well, this is a little bit sensitive and relates more to the geopolitical climate we found ourselves in than any legal issues I can think of. The South China Sea and territory within the first island chain in recent years has become a hotly contested issue, impacting the relationship between China and neighboring countries. In some cases, Taiwanese businesses may, may be caught in the crossfire, similar to the rioting incidents. I'm not sure if you remember, but in 2014, there was massive rioting in Vietnam that was triggered by a South China Sea dispute in China. Hmm. One unfortunate byproduct of those riots resulted in Vietnamese workers destroying Taiwanese factors due to possible confusion, but also in a possible response to heavy-handed Chinese-Taiwanese managers that earned twice to three times as much as local hires. So I think taking pragmatic measures like observing local customs, uh, hiring local managers, training up your workforce, and clearly differentiating the business as being affiliated to China are all sound approaches. Of course, the last one applying where Chinese investment is a sensitive issue. And I would like to add, as recent events in China demonstrate, Business communities are wary of operating in legal environments where transparency is uncertain. So legal frameworks are little more than words on paper and judiciaries, merely act as an extension of governments. According to a 2018 Corruption Perception Index, which tracked the level of perceived corruption in the public sector, I think Singapore, Brunei, Malaysia, and Taiwan are all score high marks for the cleanliness of their governments. Other countries, such as Indonesia, are slowly but surely rising through the ranks. Investors look for robust legal protections and stable financial institutions. Hopefully, local politics can be more stable along with economic development. We've been chatting with Grace Xiao of the Taipei Bar Association. Uh, Ms. Xiao, thank you for joining us again on the show. Thank you. 
And that wraps up our look at the legal hurdles companies could encounter while expanding their operations overseas. Next week, we'll be chatting with another SME that is taking advantage of the new Southbound policy to grow their business. I'm Eric Gao, and thank you for tuning in.